The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. Hey everyone, it's Michelle Williams, and I love being able to share my story with you on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, where my guests and I, we get real as we share the ups and downs of our mental health journeys, and I'd love for you to join me. Hey, it's going to be your church and your turn up. So listen to Checking In with Michelle Williams every Tuesday, a part of the Black Effect on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. All right, for all back on Coast to Coast, we uh, start hour number two. People very excited about this. We got a lot going on. Let's start with a little hockey talk. They're going to be throwing gloves. They're going to be people getting hit in the head with a cross check and a jaw. We got a big game tonight, Carver. But I know we got to go back and look at that big Vegas win last night to tie that series with Dallas. Yes, and I thought, uh, Scotty, that the Golden Knights went back to their game. You know, we talked about it yesterday. After them losing one nothing on Sunday night, were they going to come out and kind of reestablish? And they did. Uh, Leonard was good. He didn't have to be that great. I didn't think the Stars threw too much good stuff at him, but they got their main guys. They're, they jungled, uh, jumbled up the lines a little bit. Uh, their forwards finally started to put the puck in the net, and there you go. You get the uh, Knights 3 nothing win last night, and now you have the series tied, and I don't know about you, Scotty, but I'm pretty confident in the Vegas Golden Knights that they will still win this series here and probably handily. Well, I think a lot has to be determined because I thought Dallas played a perfect game one and shut them down, completely turned off the faucet. And then you're right. They only threw 24 shots at Leonard. Leonard had an easy night. I thought Paul Stasny came up big. I thought he had a, a big goal to break the ice for them on the doorstep. An easy goal. I'm surprised Dallas let him sit there and cook hot dogs on the front porch. Uh, but uh, he had an assist as well in the game. Nosek had a big goal late. They had a huge second period. Uh, you know, every time you get a Carlson power play goal, this is a team that wins when Marcia So and Carlson score goals type games. You know what I mean? So I thought that they played and proved that they uh, are in this series. I think they're the better team. I agree with you. But I don't think we've heard the last of Dallas. I think Dallas has been fantastic in the playoffs. I think they're going to answer that loss. I think game three is going to be gigantic for both of these teams. Uh, as much as I would say tonight is so enormous for the Islanders that if they don't win this game tonight after losing A2 in game one, I think that they're going to have a real hard time uh, finding a lifeline back from a 2-0 deficit. I say they drown in the open waters if they don't win tonight. Yeah, this is their season, Scotty. I'm with you 1,000%. If the Islanders do not even this series up with Tampa Bay tonight, they're finished. Uh, I don't think that they can beat that team as good as they are four out of five times. Uh, the Islanders have played really well uh, the past uh, five weeks uh, since the playoffs have started. But they I don't think they've played uh, good enough 
to the point where they're going to beat the Lightning that many times. The Lightning are a very powerful team. They are a high-skilled team. The Lightning are not going to score eight goals again tonight, Scotty. We know that. The Islanders are going to come back tonight, and they're going to play their game. question is, are they going to play it well enough? Get the Islanders right now. Uh, they are a plus 145. Lightning a heavy favorite at minus 170. So I think the Islanders got a little uh, little sizzle here tonight, Scotty, to get back in this thing. Yeah, I, you know, I, I'm not feeling it. I, I want them to win. I'm with you. I'm rooting for them. I hope they win. Uh, I don't actually think they're going to win. I think that Tampa showed me uh, over and over and over again in every round uh, the fact that they won that five overtime game. That was That was like monkey number one. Get rid of Columbus, monkey number two. Beat the best team the last two years in hockey, maybe the last three years in Boston. There's monkey number three. Then they go in and slaughter the Islanders eight to two. The problem I have, I think the Islanders are very fast. Their first two lines are very fast. Now, I don't know what the status is with a Clutterbuck. They dragged him off of the ice, but they lose speed there if he's not 100%. And I already know that Tampa's faster than them to begin with. I think the Islanders have speed. But Tampa has more speed. I think Tampa skates better than the Islanders. I think Tampa passes better than the Islanders. I think the Islanders are a gritty, goal-scoring team that can get on your nerves and shut you down defensively. I don't know if they can shut down the Russian Blue Army here. Uh, The problem I have is uh, I just think they come in waves. I don't know where – look, if they score four goals tonight, half of what they scored, you'll still lose the game. I always told you. If Tampa hits four goals, they're not losing a game in the playoffs. Because once they get to four, you're screwed because they're not giving up four goals. They got a great goalie. The Islanders have to score four goals tonight to beat this team. And if they don't get four, they're not winning. I think it goes back to what they did, and we welcome in all of our radio affiliates right now. I think it goes back, Scotty, to what we talk about with them all the time. You know, play from ahead. Get a lead. Go out and get a 2 nothing lead in the first period tonight, and then – you can kind of play that box shell, uh, neutral zone type of game that you want to play. You can't play that game when you get down two goals or three goals. Islanders need to come out tonight and get a little bit of a lead, like they did in game seven against the Flyers. Two really quick goals, and then control the pace and push the pace for the rest of the game. And I think that they'll be just fine after that. Their general manager, Scotty, was named uh, one of the three finalists for the GM of the year. Lou Lamorello, of course, one of those guys. Jim Nill of the Dallas Stars. And, of course, the legendary, you love this guy, uh, Julian Bribois of the Tampa Bay Lightning. Look, let me go back to the Islanders <laughs> for a second. It's very important. Here's the deal. I agree with you. If they, if they score a couple goals early, that, is, that, that would behoove them because I believe that Tampa Bay might actually, in the room, they might actually in that room think, we're better than these guys. We kick their ass. All we have to do is play our game, and we're going to beat these guys. We're so much better than everyone in the league. We know it now. And if they think that way, that's the perfect way to catch them sleeping. They just think they're going to beat you. They don't actually go out and execute. So if the Islanders go out and catch them sleeping that they think they're so great, that's how they beat them tonight. Get a couple goals when they think they're better than you and they're not focused and playing their game uh, because they think they got it in the bag already. That's how you beat them. 4-2 Islanders tonight, Scotty. 4-2 to two Islanders. NHL draft, down, gets, NHL draft gets moved up. It'll now be October 6th and 7th. And Mark Recchi wasn't out of work long. He now is going to be an assistant with the Devils, Scotty. 
SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Have you written a book and need some insight into what comes next? Or are you passionate about cooking and want to know how to make it your career? Or maybe you just want to hear insider stories about the entertainment industry. Either way, we've got you covered with the Two Guys from Hollywood podcast. I'm Alan Nevins, a literary agent and talent manager. And I'm Joey Santos, a columnist and celebrity chef. And on our podcast, Two Guys from Hollywood, we bring our expertise to the table with, of course, delicious cocktails and all kinds of recipes for you to try at home. So grab a drink and join us. We've got a wide range of celebrity guests and Hollywood insiders to discuss pop culture, publishing, and entertainment. And we'll provide you with an unfiltered and sometimes brutally honest show about Hollywood. As we like to say, we don't dish, we serve. Listen and follow Two Guys from Hollywood on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll talk at you soon. All right, that's that's good. You look good. You look terrific. Uh, I hope your forehand's uh, solid right now with everything going on with the U.S. Open. You haven't hit any linesmen over the weekend uh, with a screamer, have you, to get disqualified? How hard was that ball? I mean, we didn't really need to see that in slow motion. I don't want to get into controversy there. It is what it is. The rule is the rule. Djokovic has a learning experience. Um, McEnroe, of all people, says his career is shot. Come on, man. I mean, yeah, that, that, ain't, that ain't true. He's one of the most charitable guys ever. He made a mistake. He owned up to it, and life goes on. How funny is it listening to John McEnroe give people advice about behaving when he was the monstrosity of all time with Guillermo Vias? Those two are the worst behaved tennis players in the history of the sport. Djokovic can't even hold a candle to uh, McEnroe. Hawkeye ruined McEnroe's commenting in every other career because it validates in and out calls. He would pick a fight just to pick a fight. And so there is no comparison. You know, people like or don't like Djokovic because he is uh, he's very theatrical. Uh, he's very dramatic and he's smart and he's fluent in many languages and he speaks his mind. And I think he's good for tennis. He'll get over this just like Serena Williams got over the Osaka meltdown as well. And they still are two of the top personalities in the sport, John McEnroe notwithstanding. Yeah, listen, I, I get the rule and everything like that. But as you know, I don't believe in rules. So I don't ever kick out Serena Williams and Djokovic from the U.S. Open over some old bag that got peppered with a screamer. I can't have it. All right, NFL starts Thursday. Looks like no fans at that game. No fans at – well uh... – uh, it's it's hard to hard to know. You know, Kansas City is going to allow some people in social distancing. The Colts are going to allow four thousand. The Dolphins thirteen thousand. The Jaguars seventeen thousand. Jerry Jones still says he's going to fill the place up. I want to see him try. It'll be an interesting concept. But other than that, the other teams are saying roll over your tickets. We're not going to allow people in right now. And most fans, by the way, who are taking advantage of the opportunity, are saying we're going to defer until next year. We don't want any part of this right now and leave TV to figure out how to generate the money to make the sport work. My sources deep within the Pentagon are telling me that it's 16,000 they'll allow at Arrowhead. I have friends in Kansas City now on the take for the show. They're giving me all this information. It's beautiful. I don't even have to pay for it. 
NFL tickets are a sparse commodity as most teams start the season with empty stadiums. So you've gone around the league. You've told me who's going to be empty. All you need to know is I'm not going to my Steeler games. I gave up my season tickets for the season. Uh, so the question of whether to open stadiums is framed as a public health debate, but it's really a political issue. What does that mean? Well, what it means is is it is it is what it is in the sense that most of the owners are deferring to the local health officials, which happens to be the right call. Architects have done everything they can with social distancing, different concession areas, uh, plastic, uh, plexiglass everywhere. You got to see some of the stadiums, including Hard Rock. But the issue is how many people and what the Browns and the Bengals were thinking about it. The governor of Ohio said maybe not. I know that the governor of Florida wanted the Buccaneers to open. They're not going to. The Jaguars and Dolphins are. So health officials in the counties have final say, and it is obviously a political issue. Why? Because some leaders have made this a political issue and not a health issue. We'll just leave it at that. All right, everyone needs to go vote on November 3rd. There you go. Uh, Tell me what the deal is with ad revenue for TNT with the NBA playoffs going on. Well, because we're all at home and watching the games, we're all spending a lot more money in advertising and we're cranking the numbers up. And therefore, TNT has some say the audacity, but probably the creativity to ask for about a 47% bump in semifinal and final ads, dollar for dollar. 30 second ad, about 100 grand. Now they're asking for 147 grand for each ad. We're not sure if they're going to get all of it. They're going to get some of it. And the bottom line is this will make up for what was a miserable year for them. And remember CBS as well for basketball. Why? Because last time we checked, the March Madness was not on TV. Jim Nance was not there. And TNT and CBS did not pocket any dollars. Here's a chance for TNT to make some money back. Tell me about all the uh, smart people, the Innovator Summit that's going to be going on here uh, at the end of the month. Idea sharing. Very smart people like you. Very smart people in minor league baseball, by the way. I know they're having issues. They have to shut down the season. It affects them more than affects anybody in major league baseball because there's no TV revenue for minor league baseball, obviously. And there is a summit, North Carolina this year, El Paso last year. All the creative minds talk about how to market minor league baseball. Now, we all understand that if you want great marketing, you go to minor league baseball anyway. That's where the mascots are. That's where the dizzy contests start. That's where all that happens. And if you want a convention, on how to get fans more engaged, then you tune in digitally to the event at the end of September hosted by Minor League Baseball. So uh, with golf getting uh, bigger and bigger in terms of like the tour championship, and now we got Wingfoot coming up, are the uh, retail sales and the ratings starting to gain some loft? Big loft, uh, rounds up uh, for us playing uh, 14%. Uh, I'm not sure if when you hit the ball four fairways over, that counts as a round or a round and a half. I guess we'll just have to see. Uh, PGA Tour coverage has been up 15% or so. Yesterday, not that dramatic, although Dustin Johnson and Dustin Thomas uh, tried to make it pretty dramatic. Two weeks from now, we've got Wingfoot. And by the way, I can't believe we had the audacity last night on golf uh, coverage. You realize they're promoting the beginning of the 2020-2021 season in Northern California this week. Everybody's talking about the beginning of the FedEx Cup points again. I can hardly wait. There's like the Safeway tournament. What do we get, free groceries? Like what could be worse? Like how is that happening when the wing foot is going on? Uh, Imagine the stellar lineup of golfers at that event. Yeah, well, well, 
Yeah, Dustin Johnson said, congratulations, we're starting the beginning of the season. Oh, by the way, I'm not playing, <laughs> which is kind of an interesting comment for him. But everybody's getting for the Open, clearly. Wouldn't you be? If you were decent. Yes. If you were, wouldn't you be getting ready for the Open? Yes, I, I'm getting ready for the Open. I went yesterday and chunked about 40 shots, and my language was deplorable on the golf course. Thank God I had a woman in my foursome. I had to maintain my uh, calm at some level without losing my mind every time I had a bad shot. Uh, Pac-12, how about their new testing program? Yeah, the COVID testing program, really important. Larry Scott has cut a deal with a company called Quidette. They have done uh, 2 million tests already for everybody, but it's 20 to $25 per test. That's not the issue. The issue is you can get it back uh, 15 minutes or so, and you can see whether you're going to be positive or not. Testing and tracing always has been a big issue. We haven't had enough of it in the country, as we know. But now the Pac-12 is taking some matters in their own hands. We're not sure if they're going to play in the spring, in the fall, or not at all, but this is going to help. So did they sell Angel Stadium in Anaheim, my old neighborhood near Huntington Beach? Yes, they sold it, but they sold it for uh, about $150 million. The appraisal was for about $325 million. They depressed the value because they cut the deal and extended Artie Moreno's lease with the Angels because they wanted him and his development company to build around the stadium near Disneyland. And so the idea of what was a fair market appraisal was as much as 500 bucks, million bucks. But remember, the stadium's not worth a whole lot if there's no team to play in it, obviously. So they cut a deal to kind of guarantee that the Angels stay in Anaheim and not shop around Southern California. All right, so uh, 30 seconds. How do the Dolphins do this week against uh, the Tom Brady-less Pats up in Foxborough? Well, I think they're going to win the game, but I got to tell you, this is a coin flip for everybody. Advice to betters, it's all a toss-up this week, right? Because nobody knows how these guys are going to perform on the field. In some places, they're really hitting hard either. Look at what happened to Navy yesterday. Did you figure that Navy was going to lose by 52? No. Yeah, believe me, I, I didn't, as I'm not able to have any underwear today because of Navy. Nice performance by the Mays. Rick, we'll see you tonight on Pharrell on a Bench on Sports Good Radio Overnights. Thanks a lot, buddy. And talk to you later. All right, coming back with more Coast to Coast. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Hey, everyone. It's Michelle Williams, and I love being able to share my story with you on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, where my guests and I get real as we share the ups and downs of our mental health journeys, and I'd love for you to join me. I'm still on my own journey, but I want to be transparent with you because as I was posting all the highlights of my life on social media, I was breaking down. And too many people fall victim to the picture-perfect image of the high life, so I created a space to discuss the good and the bad. We can laugh, man. We, we gonna learn. And most of all, I hope to inspire you to go on this journey with me to better mental health. This is going to be your church, your turn up, and everything in between. So join me on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, a safe space for every kind of person. Listen to Checking In with Michelle Williams every Tuesday, a part of the Black Effect on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Uh, great stuff, uh, Cam. Cam Stewart in Toronto. Uh, Carver, hi. Going back to um, the physicality of LeBron real quick. Here's the other thing I noticed about that game last night. It, you know, it's amazing to me that you're willing to, a, a, after the game, D'Antoni said they ran out of gas. Like, what is that? Like, I don't even know what, what does that mean? Like, so you're admitting that you're soft and that you didn't have it in you to play four quarters against Lakers. That's all you need to know that they're going to lose this series. They can't go four quarters with the Lakers. They ran out of gas. Ran out of gas doing what? All they do is chuck threes. It's not like they got some gigantic motion offense where they're running up and down in transition and moving around and cutting and slicing. All they do is move the ball, stationary, standing still three jacks. That's all they do. That's it. What are you tired for? What? What? I mean, what is the problem? Go to the pool. Hit the jacuzzi. Have a drink. I don't understand. Tired. I should be tired. I play five days a week. Why are you tired? A superb athlete in the conference semis. Are you kidding me? You're tired? What is that? It doesn't make a lot of sense, especially when you consider that all of the teams aren't going anywhere. They're in the same place in Orlando, and they're all getting the same amount of time in between games. I mean, every Laker game and Rocket game has been at 9 o'clock Eastern, every single one. Every Raptor-Celtic game has been at 6.30. Like, it's not like they're moving these times around and people and some teams are getting less rest than others. They have the same amount of rest every single game. I don't know where D'Antoni is going with that, but his team's going to need to pick it up. They should have they should have Covington uh, for the next game. Uh, you remember at the end of the game, he took that elbow Scotty from Anthony Davis. Right. Uh, a lot of guys on the Rockets, but especially Westbrook, was not happy about it. But it sounds like Covington is going to be okay for that next game. They also gave Davis a flagrant one from the hit on Jeff Green in game two. So you got to watch with that when it comes to the flagrants in terms of a suspension here uh, in the postseason. LeBron now 162 playoff wins. That, Scotty, is the most all time. Would you like to get to tonight's games? We have two games on the docket. First yes. up. The Celtics will try to eliminate the Toronto Raptors tonight. They are up three games to two. They dominated them in game five. And here we go tonight, Scotty. Line three and a half, Boston the favorite to close it out. What do you think tonight between the Celtics and the Raptors? Yeah, I, you know, I'm looking down, as you know, at, per usual, at all of my gambling sheets. Let's just call them <laughs> what they are. Uh, well, I got it at three originally, and I'm on the Celtics again. What I saw is a team that's just flat out playing better than Toronto, moving the ball better, getting easier looks, getting dunks. They have had so many dunks, flush dunks and layups and buckets at the 10, like right in the low paint, low block. Uh, their buckets are easy. Their mid-ranges are easy. They can't deal, let's face it, with the speed of Jalen Brown. Tatum's too much for him. Kemba's too quick for him. Tice has been a problem for him. Smart has killed them with three daggers. Meanwhile, he's a defensive specialist. The Celtics are playing fantastic basketball. I think the game that they won, the last game, was the most complete game I've seen from them in 15 years with the organization. It, you know, he even said it, Stevens, in a timeout. You guys are playing perfect basketball. That's what it was. It was perfect basketball. They are shredding Toronto. And Toronto's not hitting the three ball like they did last year in the deep playoffs and in the finals. Van Vliet hasn't done anything. Lowry's just complaining to the refs. And the guy that hasn't done a thing is Siakam. So unless they wake up tonight with a gigantic effort, I don't see it. 
Boston's flat out going to the Eastern Finals. It's going to be Miami and Boston. Even if they lose tonight, they're winning that series. There's no way they're losing to Toronto. The Celtics as an organization also committed $25 million, Scotty, to racial injustice. So nice job by the Celtic organization. Second game tonight, just after 9 p.m. Eastern, the Nuggets will try to even their series with the Clippers. They are down two games to one. You said it the other day, and I agree with you. They kind of blew that game three. You know, they had a lead in there. They couldn't get it done in the fourth quarter. A little bit too much PG-13 and Kawhi. What are you thinking about tonight as they try to even it up with them? It's hard defensively to deal with two star players that can kill you at any moment of any game. So one night it's Kawhi killing you. The next night it's PG killing you. Some nights it's both of them killing you. Uh, that's the problem that they have. When you have a game in your hands, you cannot let it slip through your fingers. The Nuggets had that in the last game and they blew it. Therefore, I'm taking them tonight to beat the Clippers and even up the series. I'm going onions, high risk, rolling the dice like I do at the craps table with you, Carver High in Vegas. I'm taking the Nuggets to win outright on the money line and the seven and a half. Jokic and Murray go off. Grant gets involved, and they have to do a better job. If they can take out PG, take one of them out. Pick one of them to take out and let the other guy have 35. It doesn't matter. If he only has one guy that he can count on to score, which I believe no one else is doing anything. So I think the, the Nuggets can beat him tonight. On the money line, here we go with the Nuggets tonight. Let's do right. it, baby. I would love to Let's see it. Go. You know me. Let's I go. love seeing the big team uh, get into a little Come bit on. of trouble. Uh, the Clippers also, that new Inglewood Arena, they got the final approval. So they're going to start uh, working on that. And the Clippers will eventually not have to share a building with the Lakers anymore. A couple things on coaching before we get to the baseball, Scotty. First, Billy Donovan not going to be back with the Thunder. We talked about this last night as well. Kind of sounded to me like he didn't want to be there. He wanted to know what the future was going to be like. Uh, you, you know, what do you think? Firing? He left? How are you looking at this Billy Donovan thing? Well, first of all, the worst question in the world is always, where do you think you're going to be in five years, Scott? <laughs> I have no idea where I'm going to be in five minutes, let alone five years. I think that he's got something else brewing. I think that somebody else has approached him, and I think it's the Bulls. It could be a couple other teams as well. We all know what's happening around the league. But I think he's actually, you know, had that phone call where he and his wife are planning something else. I think his future is, is, is clearly with another team. I'm surprised that they let him go uh, amicably, whatever you want to call it. Bottom line is he's leaving. He's not coming back. Meanwhile, all he did there was win. And he won with basically nobody. I mean, this guy got it done with a bunch of players. CP3 made him a, a lot better this year for sure. But every year he was there, they were in the playoffs. They were always successful. And they really don't have any stars. They had a lot of young players and draft picks. And I thought he did a great job. I think Billy Donovan is a great coach. He was a great coach in college at Florida. He's a great coach uh, in the NBA. And I think that he's going to get a job, in my view, that gives him more power. And that's what they all want at the end of the day is more power. Uh, Steve, uh, uh, Steve Nash, he won't have that right. much power, but he is now the head coach of the Brooklyn Nets, Scotty. He had his opening press conference today, said that his playing career is what kind of got him to, quote, skip the line when it comes to other guys that have been head coaches or been assistants around the league. You listened to him today. What did you think of Nash's press conference? I thought it was uh, eloquent and well done by him. I thought it was very smart. 
and ahead of the uh, times in terms of uh, handling yourself in a, a media setting and answering questions directly. Uh, and it was provocative. I thought he was uh, extremely intelligent, which we already knew he was as a basketball player. This guy, uh, he look, if Steve Kerr can do it, and Steve was around uh, great people his entire career coaching-wise, so he learned from them, and he could flat-out play. But Steve Nash was a way better player, in my opinion, hands down, than Steve Kerr. So my guess is he's going to be an incredible coach based on his skill level as a player and his mind about the game, how to score, how to make plays, how to create, how to run in transition, how to no-look, how to dime, how to finish, how to shoot, how to come up big in big moments. That's why he got the job. Now, I know there's a lot of people mad about him getting the job, but let's not forget there have been a lot of guys like Isaiah Thomas, Doc Rivers. It goes down the line that have been players that got jobs, whether they were white or black. I know everyone's very sensitive right now, but the bottom line is no one can question this guy's brilliance as a basketball player and how it will easily translate as a coach. Uh, people are angry that he got the job. You know what? That's too bad. Have a sandwich. Uh, mind your own business. It's none of your business who they hire. The owner can hire whoever he wants. You don't like it? Tell your mother. Go have a glass of milk. Walk your little doggy around the neighborhood. Why don't you cry to your best friend on the phone? Why don't you be a narc or something? Go get in someone else's business. Uh, he got the job. You lose. Shut your face. And we'll see. Everyone knows who I'm time. talking to, too. Everyone knows exactly <laughs> who I'm talking to. I refuse to say his name because when I see him, I'll punch him in the face. Walks in a room in Vegas. You see what he does? He knows nothing about boxing and acts like he does. Who are you kidding, you phony ass? Exactly. And Thank you. Tight with Sean Mark. Tight with Sean Marks and Kevin Durant too. That helped Steve Nash as well to get that job. Uh, well, let's hit some baseball right now, Scotty. Let's go to the Yankees, who are now sitting at 500 on the nose after losing again to the Toronto Blue Jays last night. I I give to you, Scotty, manager Aaron Boone, who says we're better than a 500 team. Here's Aaron. <laughs> sure you are. Internet, but um. You know, we have not played to our capabilities and, and, and obviously the last couple of weeks um, has been a rough stretch to get us to that point. So we still have time here to, <clears throat> to turn this thing around um, and, and confident we will, but I mean, we, we are, we're 500 right now. So that's, that's the reality of the situation. But the other reality is um, it's there for the taking for us. You know, we don't need anyone's help right now. We need to play well. And, and if we do that, uh, the season will take care of itself. If you were my lawyer, I would, I, I know I'm going to prison for life. Did you hear him choking on his lug in the middle of his comments? When the guy can't finish his thoughts uh, with all of the BS coming out of his mouth, you know he's full of it. Time, you have no time, bro. Your season's going down the drain, and they're going to blame you. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Coast to coast with Carver High. Uh, we had some problems with uh, Joe Lisi, so we're going to do it uh, and move on. 
and uh, hopefully uh, we can get Joe back on another time. Obviously, uh, I want to go back, circle the wagons a little bit on the uh, you know U.S. Open. Uh, we're getting ready for it at Wingfoot. That's a huge loss, Carver High, uh, to have Brooks Kepka out with knee, hip, whatever else he's got. He sounds like he's shot for the majors. Uh, he'll be lucky, I guess, if you think he'll be all right for the Masters. You hope that he's going to be all right by then. Those are, of course, going to happen in November. Uh, you know, it's hard because he's so good at major, Scotty, and he's one of those guys that you always love betting on when you get to that big moment. And not having him there in the U.S. Open, you know, it hurts a little bit. You still have all the other big players, um, but no Brooks Kepka. Uh, yeah, listen, they'll get past it. Uh, it's unfortunate for Brooks, but – Give somebody else a chance. He wins like two majors a year anyway. So there you go. Listen, uh, the way I've seen uh, Justin Thomas saying he's peaking right now, there's no denying that he is. I thought he played great at the Tour Championship at Eastlake. Xander Shoffley's game is serious. Uh, he is no joke. This guy seems to ratchet up his game. The more pressure, the more money that's on the table, uh, the better he runs birdies. Uh, and obviously, Dustin Johnson has been on a – tear unequaled by his peers over the last four or five weeks. He's been leading after 54 holes every single week for a month and a week. Uh, he finished off the deal despite uh, everyone, you know, Dan Hicks was doing the, with Zinger uh, calling the, the NBC broadcast at a tour championship on, you know, Sunday and Monday, they tried everything in their power to get someone else to, you know, catch Johnson with his lead. And on, you know, Monday, they kept trying to sell you, that uh, Shoffley and Thomas were going to catch him when they were two back, and they never did. Uh, instead of giving uh, Johnson the credit that he was, because they said he hasn't had a birdie in nine holes. Well, he was having nothing but pars. What's the difference if you're not losing strokes? He didn't lose the tournament, and he walked out with $15 million. So I get trying to keep a TV audience, but no one in the world is playing anywhere near what Dustin Johnson is playing like right now. How could you not bet on him on a big course like Wingfoot in New York? This guy bombs the ball, and he's so consistent on greens uh, and fairways. And, you know, tee to fairway to green, it's a joke. And if he's sinking putts, forget about it. I think he'll win the U.S. Open as well. The guy's having an incredible year. He deserves to be the number one player in the world. I think John Rahm is on fire. And not just because of Eastlake. This has been going on for a while. The week before that, he beat him at uh, the, the tournament on that 66-footer. So, Rom, another big money player. I'd love to lose a golf tournament and make $3 million like he did the other day. Yeah, that was at the BMW the week before that, Scotty. And you need to be a huge hitter to win at the U.S. Open, especially at Wingfoot. DJ is going to be able to get that out of the bag. You know that he can hit it big. Uh, guys like you know, DeChambeau also can hit it pretty big, too. We'll see if maybe he's going to be in the mix. Justin Thomas playing good. Mickelson, one of the favorites for the Safeway this week. Now, there are a couple of guys playing this week. Not that many. Most are getting ready for the U.S. Open, Scotty. But if Mickelson's one of the favorites, that means you know a lot of the heavy hitters are not going to be at the tournament this weekend. None Let's of them a couple are. Of, none of, there's a, a couple of guys. That's it. No, but they very are. few. Uh, let's go to a, a couple of smaller college football stories before we take a look at some of this weekend's games. Again, uh, we uh, said this on the radio last night, that Baylor La Tech game is now postponed on Saturday. 38 members of the La Tech football team 
uh, tested positive for COVID. So another game uh, off the boards here, the T- uh, TCU-SMU game was canceled. The Oklahoma State game was canceled. So we've got a few games that are starting to fall by the wayside here for Saturday, Scotty. Well, I think it's uh, pretty obvious what's happening here is that uh, these college campuses have a major problem going on that they don't want to talk about. Certainly, uh, they're not talking about it at Oklahoma and Norman. Uh, You know, genius Lincoln Riley says, we're not telling anybody who's got COVID anymore. Nice job, coach. Let's hide it from everyone. Just keep it in-house there so you can all be sick. Uh, Here's the deal. Every week now, they've only been playing for a week or two. There's games getting canceled left and right, and there's campuses with problems all over the place. It's not just here or there. It's everywhere that colleges have become a uh, sore spot for this COVID. It's everywhere. It's, uh, it's obvious that it's a problem, and games are getting postponed. It's not the beginning uh, of this. It's going to be continuous. I truly believe they're going to cancel games left and right because of this. It's a disaster. Uh, If they can finish this college football season, it'll be a miracle. The way things are starting right now with three or four games every week being canceled, is that not problematic to people? I mean, we talked to John McClain last night at the Houston Chronicle. He told us about it. He said they're canceling the Baylor game uh, because of this. Uh, It's the beginning of uh, of the end. I mean, bottom line is uh, they're going to have this problem, and it's not just going to be insignificant games. I believe a lot of big games are going to get canceled. Yeah, I think that a few, once the SEC starts in a couple of weeks, Scotty, you got more of the Southern schools where it's still going at a pretty good pace. But they're going to have 26,000 fans at LSU Tiger Stadium. Don't worry, they're going to put 26,000 fans in the LSU game. So they shouldn't have any problem there, right? Well, you know, uh, as long as Ed Ogeron's happy and they have uh, fans at their games, no tailgating, whatever. I don't think there's going to be really, uh, frankly, tailgating anywhere uh, this uh, fall in college football. They're going to be lucky if they get games in. And if you get some fans in your stadium, um, you know you know what it's going to remind me of, if, if you will? It'll be like watching a college basketball game with – two bad teams that draw three or 4,000 to the arena and you, you, you watch the game and you, you can hear them, you know, cheering individual chants because there's so few people at the game. It's not like at Cameron indoor where it's packed or at uh, Allen Fieldhouse where it's packed or, you know, any of the big schools, Chrysler arena packed, the Breslin packed assembly hall packed. It's not going to be like that. It's going to be like going to a, Watching on TV to a crappy game like Stanford playing some hack team and there's 3,000 people there. That's what it's going to be like watching college football. You can't tell me if you were watching an LSU game where there's 80,000 fans there and you see 20,000 fans, that's just a Marshall game as far as I'm concerned. I mean, honestly, (laughs) the games are going to suck with 20 or 15,000 fans in a stadium that's built to hold 100,000. It's going to look naked and it's going to sound terrible. I don't care what anybody says. We'll get our first taste of that tomorrow night because I believe that Kansas City is going to have a couple thousand fans in the seats at Arrowhead for their opening game. So we'll get our first taste of that. Uh, Midwestern lawmakers, Scotty, are still trying to get the Big Ten to change their decision, play football. We know that there's this uh, supposed October 10th drop-dead date for them to be involved in the college football playoff this year. Uh, They've got a month. Are they going to change their mind? I think the uh, Big Ten is patiently waiting to see if the SEC, ACC, and Big 12 have failure 
uh, in their decision-making. I think they're waiting to see the big conferences. Now, if they're four weeks in it and they've had no problems and they're playing an ACC, SEC, Big 12 schedule without any limitations, no cancellations, but they're already canceling Big 12 games. They're already canceling games. So they're waiting to see how bad it gets before they reverse course on a decision that I think was you know, relatively smart in their thinking. I think, frankly, that the Big Ten and Pac-12 may have done the right thing. Time will tell is if all these conferences lose tons of games, let's say they schedule uh, to play 11 games, right? And if they play four or five of them, who's the sucker? If you only get four or five games in, you look like an idiot, and the Big Ten and the Pac-12 is going to be laughing at you. I guarantee it. If they don't play the whole schedule, they're going to look, you know, simpletons. That's what they're going to look like because they all thought they had it all figured out. Because We're going to play football down here. I'll tell you what. You're lucky we canceled them tailgates because we were going to have them too. We're going to have that awkward. We're going to have that grove cooking. Get that pig up on that barbecue. We ain't got no time to not play football down here. We don't care who's dying. That's what they sound like to me, the Big 12, and frankly, the SEC. The SEC schools have it worse than anybody, uh, and the ACC's had their own problems. So I don't trust anyone that acts like they've figured out the COVID. No, nobody has figured it out, that's for sure. Let's take a look. We looked yesterday at some of these games, Scotty. Some of the lines have moved a little bit as we get ready for this weekend's games, including the Canes. I remember 13.5 yesterday, now up to 14.5 with UAB. That is tomorrow night. That's right. They're going to play it up against the NFL opener, Houston and Kansas City. So you have the U taking on UAB tomorrow night, and the line has gone up a point here, Scotty. Well, there's not a soul on earth besides me that'll watch the Canes over the Kansas City Chiefs and Texans, but I'm a huge Miami fan. And we talked, as I said to John McLean last night, the great columnist with the Houston Chronicle, and John uh, knows Derek King very well from his days at Houston, and he said he truly believes that Derek is going to light it up at Miami. And if he's going to light it up, then uh, I said this yesterday, I'll say it again today, that 14 and a half should not be a problem. Miami should beat UAB by 27 to 30 points. That's all there is to it. And if this kid is so good, he needs to come out and unleash it on the Blazers. I mean, are you kidding me? UAB, they just started playing football two or three years ago. Uh, Miami needs to kick their teeth in. That's what they need to do. Because I'm sick and tired of hearing about all their great recruits and the U is back and the turnover chain and all their other BS. The bottom line is Miami plays like candy ass these days. It's been going on for about eight years, ten years. They've been horrible. They need to go out and kick somebody's ass. And a perfect start is UAB. Beat that ass tomorrow. That's what they need to do. The Syracuse is now getting 23-and-a-half at Chapel Hill against the Tar Heels down in North Carolina, Scott. We've seen that one move a little bit. Louisiana uh, up to 11-and-a-half. Now they are getting against Iowa State. So we've seen a couple of these lines move here over the last couple of days. Kansas State now 10-and-a-half over Arkansas State. So we've seen a couple things happen here. Anything that you like that's jumped out here? Duke still, though, uh, sitting there 19 and a half. They're going to be getting in South Bend against the Fighting Irish. Well, I am surprised that, uh, that Dino Blevins gets no respect whatsoever going into this game uh, against North Carolina. Uh, I've said this before. Why are people so enamored with North Carolina football? I mean, they have been bunks since I've been on this earth. When have they ever mattered in college football? When have they ever been favored by 23 and a half points against anybody? Now, look, 
I know they're better than Syracuse. Let's see if they're that much better because I think Blevins is a great coach, and I think that, you know, he prepares his teams. Syracuse has never been good at anything since he got there, and, I mean, in terms of football, and now all of a sudden they've been respectable at the very least. And, look, some of these other games, I told you I'm high risk on Louisiana. West Virginia should roll Eastern Kentucky. They're god-awful. Kansas State has to win that game. Uh, Pitt's laying 27 and a half in their game against Austin P. Now that's a dangerous line for the Pitt Panthers because I think they stink to begin with, but Austin P I watched them play last week. They're awful. So Pitt should be able to beat them by four touchdowns. If you ask me the South Florida land 20 and a hook, uh, it's a tough one to trust, but I'm going to do it anyway. I don't think Tulane can actually beat South Alabama by 10 points. So I'm taking the nine and a half. Uh, Louisville, I'm laying it. Texas Tech's laying 39 and a half. I think Texas Tech's going to absolutely spank it uh, against Houston Baptist. Uh, They should go to church is what they should do, Houston Baptist. Uh, Before they play Texas Tech, they're going to get rolled and lit up like a doobie. And Kansas, we've been on that bet. Uh, If they don't cover seven, uh, all I know is uh, that'll be so embarrassing. But then again, Kansas football has been embarrassing since before Christ. So I'm not kidding. let's see if I want, Les Miles can get it done. I want Les Miles fired Saturday night after the game if he cannot at least cover that six and a half against that Coastal Carolina team. I don't want to hear it, Scotty. I want him out. I want to see Oklahoma, Clemson, Oklahoma State, and Texas all cover those gigantic numbers. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. All right, Pharrell, back on uh, Coast to Coast. Avi writes with a fan question today in New York, in Queens. He's like, Pharrell... John McEnroe says that uh, the Joker will be the bad guy for the rest of his career after hitting the linesman over the weekend at the U.S. Open and being disqualified. Do you agree with that? I just don't. I, I don't agree with that. Why, why is he going to be the bad guy? Because he he did what he did. Like, did you really think when you saw it, is that what you thought, that he was this horrible person that tried to hit the linesman in the neck? You think he actually lined it up and tried to hurt her. I just don't believe that. I think he was angry. He had earlier smashed the ball into the wall. Uh, He loses his temper like 95% of the players on tour that behave like children to begin with. It's so funny hearing it from McEnroe, of all people. Like, are you kidding me, this guy? Is he not the last person in the world that should be giving people advice on how to behave? I mean, the guy used to smash everything in sight. He used to break water bottles, rackets. He cussed out everyone, fans, officials, linesmen, lineswomen. He tortured everyone in tennis. He was the worst behaved tennis player in history. I said before, Guillermo Vilas was pretty bad as well. They're the two worst I ever saw. But I've seen Jimmy Connors behave that way too and behave poorly and cuss and threaten people and intimidate people. But now all of a sudden, Djokovic, what has he ever done to be labeled a bad guy? I don't understand. All he does is win slams. 
and win, you know, every major tournament on the face of the earth. He would have won this tournament as well. I still can't fathom they kicked out Serena Williams one year and now Djokovic another year. I get it, the rule, you're not allowed to do it. I don't think it was intentional. I don't think it's going to change his career. I think he's going to keep winning big tennis tournaments and tons of money. He's still a badass. He's not a bad guy. And uh, the U.S. Open, they're just dying to have a story or anyone talk about tennis ever. That's what they, they drum this whole story up to get attention because no one cares about tennis. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Ever wondered how a book gets made into a movie? Or how to master the art of cooking? Either way, we've got you covered with the Two Guys from Hollywood podcast. I'm Alan Nevins, a literary agent and talent manager. And I'm Joey Santos, a columnist and celebrity chef. On our podcast, we're going to be serving you a fresh perspective of the entertainment industry alongside our favorite celebrity guests. As we like to say, we don't dish, we serve. Listen and follow Two Guys from Hollywood on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll talk at you soon.